The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. between those who do and those who don't a lot of times is simply their desire to move through and overcome all of the resistance ahead of them. And I can tell you with absolute sureness, absolute sureness this morning, if you want to do right, you will have a mountain and a continuous resistance that will come to you. And it'll come from all directions. It'll come from family. It'll come from your spouse. It'll come from your children. It'll come from your grandchildren. It'll come from your neighbors. It'll come from your friends. It'll come from people you don't know. Come from your government. Come from, it's going to come from all directions. Because this world is not a friend of grace to lead me on to God. And God says he wants you to walk through this world with him. I mean, David said it, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I wish I could tell you that Christianity took you around that valley, but it don't. It just takes you through the valley with God. I would love to tell you that the three Hebrew boys wouldn't have had to go into that fiery furnace, but that's where they saw God, and that's where they got to walk with the Son of God. And with you, it won't be different. The difference will be is how are you going to react? I hope that we can learn something this morning again from this Gentile woman outside the commonwealth of Israel. We'll start reading in verse 21 there, chapter 15 of Matthew. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. That's Gentile area. And behold, the woman of Canaan, Uh, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He had a very specific mission. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. 
Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Jesus Christ, as God manifests in the flesh, is, is and was and is the master of teachers. He had total foreknowledge and foresight of prediction in setting up a learning situation, which is what he did in this portion of Scripture. Not just for his disciples of the, that time, but knowing that these eventually would be placed by the Holy Spirit in a book called the Bible. And that book would, though it was resisted by, very, by hell itself, by everything the devil could whip up, he took against the book. And yet the Bible's the most printed book of all books that have ever been written. And that's by, by light years, by light years. Nothing, nothing. The Koran don't hold a candle to the Bible. There's no holy book out there that even comes close to the, how this, this Bible has been multiplied. Who do you think did that? Men, the world, the devil, the flesh? No. They want to destroy it. They want to burn it. They want to get rid of it. They don't want to hear it. Isn't it amazing how God's overcome all that? Isn't that? As God, he sets this up so that 2015, you and I could be here in a place called Bonita that the Seminole Indians lived in back then, and we could be sitting in a building listening to these words that he spoke to this Gentile, insignificant nobody, 12 miles or so north of Israel's border. Jesus traveled purposely out of the coast of Israel, though did he not say in this that he sent to the lost sheep of Israel? Did he not say that? The question is, why did he go outside of Israel to Tyre, Sidon, or the coast thereof, if he was sent just to the people of Israel? Because he had a plan. There were serious truths that he wanted to teach his disciples and everybody since then that's had a Bible and read this, both in Matthew as well as in Mark. He wanted to teach them the power of persistence, how to overcome resistance, and it could be even titled, How to Get Things from God. How to Get Things from God. Tyre, the city of Tyre on the coast, 12 miles north of Israel border, and Sidon was about 20 miles north of Tyre. So Jesus goes all the way into this area of the Gentiles, even though he's sent to the, only the sheep of the children of Israel, to get us ready to learn what is going to be spoken on the rest of this hour. First of all, in verse 22, we see the cry of a believing Gentile woman. Look at verse 22. It says, she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter, who gave us the effects of the devil. 25% of all the recorded miracles in the Gospels had to do with demons. 25% of all physical, a lot of them physical problems. Jesus recognized as demonic and rebuked the demons directly and cast them out. They, they also communicated back with him. 
And yet today when Christians have problems or their children have problems, they almost never go there. You you with me? They'll say it's manic depressive or it's bipolar or it's this or it's schizophrenia and all of that. I I talked to one of my docs, uh, Dr. Uh, Reeves. He's an endocrinology and hematology specialist of the Florida Cancer Specialist, one of the founders of that group. And he's a born-again Christian. And I talked to him and I said, Doc, because I was talking to him about 25% of all physical problems in the New Testament were demonically originated. And I said, Doc, you're, you spend your whole life studying the body. He says, I, and he's the guy that says, I don't know much, but I know blood. I like, I like his humility. And, and he, I said, what do you think about that? I said, you know, they're talking today chemical imbalance and all this. And he says, it's very possible that the spiritual problem creates the chemical imbalance. Makes sense to me. Guy spent his life studying the body. He says, listen. It's very likely that that's the way it works. He said that they have a, I find people with a defiled conscience, people that are, that, are, that are tormented, it affects their physical being. Makes sense, right? Stress will affect your blood pressure, right? I mean, if you have something bad happen to you, it affects your mood. Why is it that we Christians in this, in this time that we live want to almost deny the existence and the, the effect of demonic powers on our people. I want to relegate it all to just science and physical. Here's why I say all this. Because if we would go to God first, it may be a better route. If we quit going to medicine first and start going to God first and then go to medicine, but go to God first and say, God, like this woman, she didn't go to the doctor. She went to Jesus. She had a daughter that was grievously affected. She understood where it was coming from. I have mothers tell me occasionally about their bipolar children and how that they, their voice changes. You know what goes off in my head? Ding, 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 ding. I had mothers tell me their face changes. Their countenance changes. Their attitude is vicious. They swear like they've never heard swearing before. In my head going, ding, 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 ding. There's any chemical imbalance. They don't need Prozac. They need Jesus. She was a believer. I believe it because of what she said. Unsaved people, people that do not have faith, even though she was a Gentile on the outside of the commonwealth, wealth of Israel, she looked at him as Lord. She looked at him as the son of David, and she came to him with that faith. Have you ever felt that you're on the outside looking in with God? Have you ever felt that, that, you know, the earth is brass and the heaven's iron, and I mean, it ain't going anywhere. You're on the outside. That's the way this woman could have felt. Here she is. She's living in a man. First of all, she's living in a man's world. Can we do a little song here? It's a man's world. I can't do the footwork. It's a man's world. I preach a sermon. It's a man's world. Not one of my most popular ones. Does make the internet, however. 
She was in a man's, man's world. She was not part of Israel. She had no nation to lean on. She was not, she very possibly did not have a husband. We don't know for sure whether she did or not, but she didn't, he didn't seem to be there to help her. She's not part of the false religions of her people from that area, Tyre and Sidon, because she'd rejected that and taken the faith of the Jews by the statement that she made. She understood where her help was coming from. I like to Psalm 121. Man, that's a beautiful sound. I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You say, Brother Bill, you live in the flattest place on the planet. I do. But we have floating mountains. We have floating mountains that go up to 50,000 feet sometimes and crest up in there and, and, and change colors as the sun and the light goes through there. Them and I, and I lift up my eye under the hills. That's that's what it's all about here in Florida. Whence cometh my help? He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Do you believe it? The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth forevermore. Not going to quit you. Do you believe it? Preacher, I'd rather worry. It's more fun. I'd rather be depressed. She demonstrated this lady here, this uh, Canaan, this Gentile, three levels of childlike faith in the face of three levels of rejection that Jesus himself put upon her. First of all, she asked humbly Jesus to help her and received the silent treatment. How many married people do we have here today? Let's hold your hands up. Confess it up. If you don't get your way with your mate, you give them the silent treatment. Some days, some three, four days, I won't talk to you or recognize you're even in the house or alive. I never did that. For three, four days. But I've done it. I'll confess. I've tried it. It don't work good. My wife, when she gets mad, her first reaction is to, to shut down. Peaches, shut down. She just shuts down. Don't say nothing. Don't want to talk to you. Don't want to answer your questions. Don't want to say nothing. The silent treatment. It don't feel good to be on the outside of that. This woman has legitimate, her, her daughter's grievous, now wait a minute, grievously. This was, this was life and death. Her daughter was in agony. She had been witnessing it. It is not something that just happened. From the words of it, this has been going on. She had been, go, imagine, mothers know, you get a feel of what this woman was going through by seeing her daughter suffer without, without hope, without hope. She heard Jesus was coming. She knew he was the Lord by revelation. 
She knew he was the Lord, the son of David, because you don't know those things. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to thee, Peter. She had been witnessed to by the Lord. She had accepted it by faith. She came to him as a believer. And the Bible says in verse 23, he answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She cried after us. Jesus simply ignored her. He did not give her the time of day. He did not even acknowledge her. The disciples then, on top of all that, openly rejected her. I'm sure it wasn't whispered to him, send her away, she crieth after us, and they wanted her to leave. So she got 12 men in a man's world that say, we want her out of here. We got Jesus, the leader, thou son of David, Lord. He don't want to talk, and he doesn't even give her the time of day to recognize her. But her daughter was possessed with a demon. Her daughter was in suffering. She was helpless, hapless, and hopeless. She had to have help. This woman received no from Jesus on the first level. No. So what'd she do? It's no, turn around, walk back all the way wherever she lived, go in and witness her daughter there under that demonic power, whatever that was about, under that, under that, under that chemical problem or whatever. And and she witnessed that and said, Oh, it's such a horrible thing. She's having uh, Oh, they call it a meltdown. She's having a meltdown. Oh, my. No. I ain't going home without help. I ain't going home without help. She didn't quit in the face of no. She humbled herself more. She proceeded to the next level of humility. And she humbled herself. The Bible says she came and she worshipped him. Uh, in the face of a, of, a, of a straight, silent no, she said, that's okay. She, I believe worship has to do with, with uh, uh, throwing yourself down in a position of humility. And she threw, I believe, threw herself down on the ground there and out of the dirt cried. Help me. Help me. And in the face of a cold no, she did not get silenced this time, did she? In verse 24, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She got straight out no. First time she got silence. The second time she got no. I'm sent to the, I'm not sent to you. You're not part of my mission. Jesus treated her with coldness. You married people. Have you ever treated each other with coldness? It could be felt. Coldness that you could take a 95-degree day and bring it right down to 32 degrees. Man, have you ever gone to your wife and got you touched her and got chilly? Oh, we can be cold, can't we? We can be cold if we want to be cold. Jesus was cold. He was cold. He answered her and said, I'm not sent under, I'm not sent to you. That's just a straight out no. This was her what what would be what else can she do? She throws herself down on the, and begins to worship him there. She didn't get mad at him because she didn't get answered in the way she thought she was going to get it. 
She just said, I've got to go to another level here. I'm going to humble myself before him further than what I've already done. And she worshipped him. And out of the dust she cries, Lord, help me. Thirdly, she sees that's not working either and decides to go even further and admit her alienation. And Jesus says to her, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. The first reaction is silence. The second reaction is no. And the third reaction is insult publicly. It's not right that I would take the good things that I've been sent to Israel to give and to give them to. Now, folks, there's nobody in this room that won't take this as an insult. If I told Adam, you're a dog, I just don't think he'd like that. Even you dog lovers, even Tom Cronin, that one time had six dogs. If I said, Tom, you are a dog, he would not probably go bow wow. And a woman, in a public manner, Jesus said, you don't take the meat of the dew for the children and give them to the... This was tough. What's the reaction? You've insulted me. I'm never coming back. Brother and sister in Christ, if you want to get to God, you won't let an irate deacon stop you? You won't let an irate, crazy person at some church stop you because they insult you, because they give you the silent treatment, because they give you the cold shoulder. You won't let anything stop you. You will get to Jesus. I get, I get grieved in my soul when I hear people say, oh, I came to church a few times and so-and-so didn't do this or I didn't get visited after I visited. I love that. Nobody came to visit me and I didn't get, so I didn't go back. Who you spite? You need the help. You need the help. Get to Jesus. He's the only one with the help. She's prostrated on the ground before him, cries out. I'm not sent to the lost house. That's as hard as it gets. And I love this woman. Truth. You're right. You're right. I'm no better than a dog. But even the dogs get to take the crumbs that fall off the table. Glory to God. The old girl didn't get crumbs, did she? She got it all. She got the whole banquet. Why? She got to Jesus' soft spot. What's Jesus looking for in you and me? Persistent faith. He's not looking for some fly-by-night faith. He wants you to persist through silence. He wants you to persist through coldness. He wants you to persist through personal humiliation. He wants you to pers persist through outright public rejection, if so be. You know, there was no bottom to this woman's willingness to humble herself under the mighty hand of God in Jesus' presence. Now imagine Jesus at the point where she comes up with that thing. Even the dogs get to eat the crumbs off the table. The first time I ever read this, 
there's nothing like the first time. And the second time is not like the first time because if it was, it would be like the first time. So the first time's the first time, and you never get to go back to the first time. That's the way it works. First time I ever read this, I went, ingenious. Doesn't that strike, didn't that strike you? That? When she said that, I went, wow, that's ingenious. Even dog. Now, in my house, that does not apply. I've never had a dog in the house, and he's never eaten crumbs under my table. But at that day, I'm sure that most of the people, like in our day, 80% of the folks probably had their dogs coming in cleaning out the kids under the table. And she got a full meal, brother. No more horrible nights of screaming and screeching and ugly faces and changed voices and of meltdowns. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen it. No more meltdowns. No more fear. No more agony. No more pain. Imagine seeing Jesus when she gives that answer and looking at his face. For If you've got imagination, with your, with your imagination, look in Jesus' face as she says, yes, even the dogs go, but even the dogs eat the crumbs under the master's table. Imagine his, I imagine his eyes filling up with tears. As he knows that she went far enough to meet the criteria of faith. But I remember Jesus speaking to the disciples, the chosen, that are going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I remember him saying to them, ye of little faith. I don't remember him saying ever to the disciples, though it may be, I don't ever remember him saying, you have great faith. They didn't seem to have great faith. But to this Canaan woman, to this Gentile, this person outside of the commonwealth and the privileges of Israel, who did not receive the law at the hands of angels, he says to her, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. A couple questions. What is great faith? And we ought to be able to get this. What is great faith? I want it, don't you? You want great faith? Because great faith gets great things from God. You're not going to get to God by casually and being by casually going to Him and by by stopping the first time you get a little resistance. You're not going to get anything from God by going to Him and and praying a little while. And, well, God didn't answer, so I guess He don't want me to have it. You're not going to get anything from Him. You should. We should learn from this passage that when we gr- great faith has no quit in it. My wife and I were married young. Her parents, her side of the family, unsaved, totally unsaved, all of them. My, my side of the family, most of them saved. Her side of the family, almost, in fact, nobody. She was the first person out of her whole family to be saved. They were Irish Catholic. Two strikes against them. 
You know, you find four Irish, you find a fifth. When I, when I dated Kathy, I walked in her house with her mom and dad. They offered me cigarettes and, and, and booze, a beer. I think I was 17. I thought, well, this is different. Kathy got born again. We began to get on our knees as children, really 18 years old, and say, Jesus, save them. Start praying for them by name. Lord, save them. Lord, save them. Lord, save them. We didn't pray for a week or a year or five years or ten years. We prayed for 35 years. At night before we go to bed, on our knees, usually beside the bed, say, Jesus, save them. I saw her brother get saved. His wife gets saved. Uh, her his daughter gets saved, her husband gets saved, her son gets saved, her his his wife gets saved, their kids get saved. The one guy was a missionary in Africa for 13 years. Uh, I saw her mother, her dad died instantly of a heart attack at 48. I can't tell you anything more about that. He's gone. But Mama, who didn't have anything to do, wouldn't let us talk about it, got a need at the end of her life, ran out of money. She was on Social Security, about 600 a month. That's all she had. Called Memphis and said, I, don't have, I, I need to help. And I said, good, well, I'll build you a prophet's chamber out where I live, and I'll, I'll decorate it for you. And we decorated it, and I said, you're welcome to live with us as long as you can for free. No charge or anything. We'll take care of you. She moved out to, from, from Arizona. She moved from Sedona, Arizona, in fact. She moved, is that right? Sedona? Close, oh, close. No, not Sedona. It was close to Sedona. Well, anyway, she moved to the home, and she stayed with us. Well, when she came in to stay with us, she was an old school girl, World War II. And she says, Bill, because you're willing to help me, I'll be willing to go to church on Sunday morning. I looked at Kathy, and Kathy looked at me. That's as big as it gets. I said, wow, yes. I didn't know if she'd do it or not, but she was old school, kept her word. She got up every morning, got dressed. And we took her in my truck to, to the church here. She sat through Sunday school and Sunday morning message. Didn't come on Sunday night, but she came on Sunday morning. About six months down the road, she got saved. I told Kathy, almost 40 years. 40 years is a long time, but real faith has no quit in it. You have unsaved relatives. You have unsaved children. You got kids out of the way. Never quit. By the grace of God, say, I, you will have to shoot me. Or I will have to die, but I'm not quitting. Save them. The second thing about great faith is there's no bottom to the humility. There's no bottom to the humility. You're not going to insult me out of this thing. You're not going to cold shoulder me out of this thing. You're not going to silent treat me out of this thing. I ain't quitting on God. I don't care how you folks treat me. If you cut my salary to nothing and you insult me and you put my name out there as mine, I'm still serving Jesus. Because true faith, great faith, has no bottom to the humility of it all. And God will test you. Oh, he'll test you on each one of these as he tested her. 
Thirdly, faith that is great faith is persistent under adversity and apparent rejections. Where are you going to go for help? When you need help in this life, where are you going to go? Where are you going to get relief? Will you overcome the resistance that is absolutely guaranteed will be there? Or are you going to get personally insulted, personally offended because your expectations, or if I may say it this way, that you even had expectations? You know what you're going to do if you're going to succeed with God is you're going to die to your expectations. And you're not going to make God in your image. And you're not going to set up a bunch of rules for him that if he's God, he's going to do this. If he's God, I hear people, a loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell. That is a horrible mistake they're making when they're making God in their thinking and in their image and not according to the way he's revealed himself in that book. Oh, a true loving God would never send anybody to hell. Who are you to tell God how he should be? You're the standard of righteousness now. Because to judge the law, you got to be above it. And to judge God, you got to be above him. Satan made it, you could tell his egotism in the garden when he came and said, this is what God's doing to you. He was judging God. It's been going on ever since. It's still going on and very well maybe going on even here. Will you die to your expectations? Will you die to your pride? And will you just decide there's not going to be any quit? No quit in your life. When I got married to little Kathy Lee, I decided by the grace of God that when she got ugly, I'd stay still, still stay married to her. That hasn't happened, but if it does, oh yeah. I decided if she got crippled by a stroke, I'd stay with her. If she got Alzheimer's and didn't know where she was or who I was, I'd stay with her. For better or for worse. For richer or for poor. Right? We can stop divorce in America in a large part, if Christians would just be Christians. If just one of the two would just decide to be a good Christian and decide to follow God and decide to do the right thing and humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Father, help us today. Give us wisdom from above. May we copy the example given to us by this old Gentile woman with a daughter grievously vexed with a demon. May we get the results that she got by being willing to receive the resistance and go through it. And as it says in Revelation, be overcomers. May we trust him. May we seek God's soft spot, that place of faith, where he sees us believe in the face of absolute hopelessness. He sees us believe. Lord, I believe. Help thou, my belief. Maybe today there's some in this room who have loved ones and family, like I mentioned, are unsaved and outside of the faith. You know they're destined for judgment and hell. And Father, may we not sit by idly 
May we cry out for them. They're the only one who can help. Maybe there's other areas in your life that God is testing you on. Would you cry out to Him? Not take no for an answer. Not take ignoring for an answer. Not take the silent treatment for an answer. Not take insult. Not take anything. But just say, God, I have to have it. By your grace. Father, help us today. If there's some here without Christ as their Savior, they don't know for sure what it means to go to heaven, what it means to be saved, what it means to know Christ, what this born-again thing is about, may they be willing to come and inquire to front. May someone be able to take them, whether it be a man with a man, a lady with a lady, to the back in a room confidentially and share the gospel that they may know. Father, may they not leave this room without knowing for sure when they die they go to heaven based upon the promises of the Bible. You come, do your work, in Jesus' name, amen. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come sky, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore, on that happy golden shore, what a day, glorious day, that will be, what a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day. Hey!